Well, today is the last Sunday of 2020. There will never be another Sunday in 2020 ever, ever, ever again. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. And so as we look back, we had an interesting year, didn't we? We had an election. We had a pandemic. We've had all kinds of things in our personal lives, uh, in our work lives, in our family lives. Many things have got on this year. And it, it kind of reminds me of the two boys. Uh, one boy was named Pessimist. One boy was named Optimist. And for Christmas, they both asked for a pony. And so their mom and dad talked about it, and Christmas Day came, and uh, it was time to get up on Christmas, and Pessimist got up, and his parents took him to the backyard, and there in the backyard was a beautiful pony, and Pessimist began to cry. He was so upset, and his parents said, Pessimist, why are you so upset? He said, how could you show me this pony? I know we can't afford it. I know we won't keep it, and I'll fall in love with this pony, and you'll take it away from me. How could you have shown me this pony? What a terrible thing for you to do to me. And so, Optimus woke up, and his parents took him down the road to the horse farm. And they took him to an empty stall that all it had in it was manure. And Optimus began to laugh and celebrate, and he was so full of joy. And his parents said to him, Optimus, why are you so excited? What are you so excited about? And he said, Mom and Dad, with this much manure, there's got to be a pony somewhere. (laughs) And so, we can look at life like pessimist, or we can look at life like optimists. And I would encourage you this morning that Christians, followers of Christ, believers in Christ, should be the most optimistic people on the planet. Because you know what? Situations and environments do not dictate our joy. What's happening in the world does not dictate whether we are happy, whether we are full of joy. What dictates to us is the truth that our Father came to this earth as a human being, died on a cross, and rose from the grave. That means everything is settled. The victory is won. It is all done. When he said to tell us die, it is finished. It is finished. And these are just temporary things. It too shall pass. Everything that we don't like will pass. But the love that Christ has has shown to us on the cross is eternal. And so we should be the most optimistic. And if you're here this morning and and maybe you're just checking out Christianity, uh, maybe you're still on the fence, I would encourage you. The most beautiful thing about being a follower of Christ is you don't have to stress out anymore. You don't have to worry about the things of this world because you are grounded in the truth that you have been set free from sin. You've been set free from death, eternal death and hell. And you've been given a life abundantly. And so this morning, my question for all of us in this room, as we come to an end of a year, and an end of a year is a final thing. It's like graduation. It is something that that finishes, and there will never be again. And I think it's good for us. It's very good for us every Sunday to stop and to think about the big picture, to think about the big questions of life, to think about why we're here and where we're going. And so as we end this year, our last Sunday, my question is, how will it end? How will it end? How will this year end? But more importantly, how will your life end? How will things end for you? 
That's the biggest question and the most profound question that we can ask. And it's one of the most important answers that we need to find. And so as we look at this question and consider it, let's precede God's word with prayer and ask him to speak to us. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for being holy and just. Thank you for being righteous. Thank you for being patient. And Lord, this morning we ask that your will would be done. We ask that your thoughts would be our thoughts. Your ways would be our ways. Lord, we ask that you would fill us. We need your filling because we are still sinful beings. We still have distractions. We still have things that pull us away from you. And we ask you this morning to give us what we need, specifically where we are. Whether it's encouragement, whether it's challenge, whether it's focus. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you would fill us this morning. And Lord, I pray as we talk about these things that we would be open to your grace, that we would be open to your forgiveness, and that we would be prepared to share that grace with others. And Lord, as we talk about the end of a year and the beginning of a new year, we pray that you would protect us. We pray that you would guide our steps. We pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding so that we would live the lives that you've created us to live, that we would live in obedience. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you personally, Lord, I pray that you would speak directly to their soul, to their heart, and that they wouldn't hear my voice, but they would hear yours and know that you love them. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for giving us a hope. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, we're going to be looking at three different passages in Scripture as we come to the end of the year. These are the three R's to ending well and starting well as we finish one year and begin a new year. We're going to be first looking at 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. It'll be on the screens as well to give some context to Samuel. Uh, his mother was named Hannah. Hannah was living in the Bible time. If you look at the Bible timeline, you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and you have the return through Joshua to the promised land. And yet, while they're in the promised land, they have judges but no kings. And so the people are wanting a king. And, and so uh, Hannah gives birth to a, a son named Samuel, and Samuel is chosen by God to be a spokesperson to the people of Israel. And he's given the responsibility of picking the king, even though God was truly their king. And so Samuel has, has led them, and he's been the spokesperson for God. And he said, look, you've you, you got you to gotta recognize that you've been in disobedience to God in a lot of ways, but he's been faithful to you, and you need to understand where your focus needs to be, that a king is not going to solve all your problems. This morning, it might be easy for us to say, this vaccine's going to solve all our problems. The right leader is going to solve all our problems. The right system is going to solve all our problems. And that would be a lie. None of those things will solve our problems. They're band-aids on a much bigger problem. And so Samuel's trying to encourage the people, even though they want so much to be like everyone else, they want to have the answers that everyone else has. Here's what he says to them in 1 Samuel 12, 24. He says, but be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. What great things has God done for you in 2020? You know, one of the things I do when I teach a Bible study, the first thing I do each time I teach a Bible study is I ask, what good thing do you want to remember about this past week? What thing has God done in your life this past week? 
You know what the number one response I get typically is? I can remember a lot of bad things, not too many good things, right? Because we are geared, we are wired to see the negative. Uh, Our sin nature helps us to see the bad behind us. But Samuel's encouraging the people of Israel, he's encouraging us today to fear the Lord, to worship him with all of our hearts, and to remember the good things that he has done. And so this morning, as we come to the last Sunday, can we look back and remember the good things that God has done in our lives? God has done so many good things. And the powerful thing is when you remember the good things that he does, he gives you power to live forward, to move forward, because you can remember, I went through that tough thing and God was with me and he got me through it. He'll do it again. And the more you look back, you begin to see that God has consistently been pursuing you. God has consistently been loving you. There's an amazing statement in the Gospels that says that you will never be disappointed in following Christ. You will never find disappointment. And as I look back, there's been struggles, there's been difficulties, but I've never been disappointed because God has always been good. He has always been faithful. You know what I realized as I was working on this message is uh, when I leave my house, the first thing I do in my car is I look in my rearview mirror to make sure there's nothing behind me. I don't want to run over anything, right? I want to see what's behind me first. And I think it's a valuable lesson to learn in life that as we begin every day, that we look back and see what God has done so we can say thank you, so we can recognize the good things that God has done in our lives. We can get so busy with today, so busy with looking to the future, that we forget the great things that God has already done. It's so easy to forget the things of the past, forget the the victories that God has given, forget the blessings that God has given. It's a natural thing. The Israelites forgot quickly that they were led through uh, the Red Sea, that the sea had been divided for them. They forgot the manna for heaven. They forgot all the miracles of God. So quickly we forget the blessings of God. We forget the goodness of God. And so I would encourage us as we come to the end of this year that we would intentionally remember the goodness of God. Look back and see the blessings, not just the challenges. And sometimes in the challenges, you've seen the greatest blessings because he's healed and he's helped and he's brought victory. And so we're to remember Next, we are to remind 1 Corinthians, written by Paul to the Corinthians. The Corinthians were in a very difficult situation. They found themselves in a world that was totally against everything they believed. And it was difficult to be a follower of Christ in Corinth. And yet Paul is encouraging them. And here's what he says. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were what? You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. As we come to the end of a year, let us remember that we are not our own. There's not one of us in this room that decided when we'd be born. There's not one of us in this room who decided who our parents would be. There's not one of us in this room who decided what our DNA would be. God determined all those things. And there's not one of us in this room that died for our own sins. And so we've been bought with a price. And we've been given freedom. Freedom from our sin. Freedom from the penalty of sin. Freedom from the destruction of sin. This morning, have you reminded yourself 
that it's not yours, it's his. Right? Uh, the interesting thing, after Christmas, everyone knows what their present is. That's mine, that's mine, don't touch that. We know that instinctively. But do we know that we're his? We're his. My body is his. Everything about me is his. I was created for his worship, for his glory. My existence is only for him. Do you believe that today or do you believe that somehow you own yourself? We live in a very interesting time because we have so much. We have so much. We have Amazon that could deliver to us right now, right? We have so much. And so we, we begin to be entitled. We begin to believe that we deserve things and this is my right and I should have this and I should have that. And we begin to believe that somehow we have saved ourselves. We've redeemed ourselves. And we're making ourselves better. And that is the lie of the enemy. That is the lie of the enemy. So we need to remind ourselves that the pool, the place of life, the living water is in Christ. I need to remind myself every day as I look back and thank God what he's done. Remind myself that I am not my own. And so every decision I make, how I treat the people in my life, how I spend my money, how I spend my time, how I spend my energy, what I do with every minute of my life is either spent on me or it's spent on him. It's either an obedience to his will or obedience to my will. Am I bought with a price? Do I truly believe that? I think one of the most powerful things we can do every day is remind ourselves that I'm not my own. I've been set free. And I can live in freedom for him. And then finally, a resolve. A resolve. Philippians 3.12. Not that I've already obtained all of this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. You know, I look at my children, I look at, I look at people in my life, and I begin to see this powerful thing that, that we're all connected in this one truth, that we all need Christ a little bit more every single day. You know what I see in myself sometimes? I see impatience. I see anger. I see immaturity. And I say, why am I like that? Why am I like that? I need a little bit more of Christ in my heart. I need the Holy Spirit to continue his work in my life. Do you know what you need in your life? You know what my kids need in their life? It's to continue to move forward and ask the Holy Spirit to give a little bit more, teach a little bit more, mature a little bit more. One day after the next, after the next, a little bit more, a little bit more. Help me to grow. Help me to mature. Help me to be what you intend me to be. Paul is saying, I, even though I know what I'm to be, I know where Christ is leading me, I'm not there yet. And so I'm going to be resolute. I am going to resolve with my heart. I am no longer seeking me. I am seeking him. I'm setting the flag down. I am making a commitment that is lifelong. I am resolved that I will not waver from this decision. The greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, and I will follow him. 
Continues in Philippians 3.13 and 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straying toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, if I got in my car in the morning and I drove using my rearview mirror the whole way, how good would that be? How well would I drive if I tried to drive the entire day through my rearview mirror? I wouldn't last very long. <laughs> You'd read about me or see me on the news. This foolish man had tried to drive with his rearview mirror. It's the same thing in life. Yes, I say thank you. Yes, God, you're good for what you've done. Now I'm looking through the front of the car through the windshield of where God is leading me. And the more I go on certain roads of prayer and study of his word, the more familiar I get with him, the more intentional I get with him, the more intentional I choose to go on his road and not my road, the more mature I become, the stronger I become, the more obedient, follower, reflecting him I become. And so I press forward, I press onward every single day. One more step, one more step, one more step in the direction of where? My heavenly home. My heavenly home. A day like today reminds me that there is an end. One day my heart will stop pumping. One day it will be the last day of Mike on planet Earth. What will happen after that? What will come after the end of that? What will come after the end of that for you? How will it end? I think it is as simple as this. And this should be the message of every church on the planet. This should be the message that you've heard and you know. This should be the message that every Christian can share. In him, we will find heaven. In Christ, we will find heaven. Faith in Christ leads to heaven. No faith in him leads to hell. It is as simple as that statement. You place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you put your faith in him, you will be led to heaven. You do not place your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be led to hell. It is as simple as that. We don't like it. It's not nice to think about that there is a hell and it's a horrible place. Separation from God eternally. But we don't have to go there. There's not a single person that has to go there. There's not a single person that has to be separated from their purpose. There's not a single person that needs to be separated from the love of God. There's not a single person that needs to be separated eternally from God. It is a choice that I make when I receive or reject Jesus as my Savior. It's as easy as that. That's why this place exists. That's why we're gathering now. We're worshiping the Christ who saved us from hell and saved us to heaven. And heaven doesn't start when you die. It starts the moment the Holy Spirit indwells you. It starts that moment you say, yes, Jesus, I believe. I repent and I believe. Heaven begins in your heart. And every day is preparation. Every day is refinement. Every day is getting you ready for home. And so when it ends, it doesn't end. It just begins. And so my question is, how will it end? Where is your faith? What do you truly believe? 
I look around and I see so many afraid of dying right now. So many afraid of their end and they don't have to be. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid of what happens after this life. It's been dealt with. It has been overcome. And there is a victory. The cross and the resurrection have settled it. Have you settled it? Have you become resolved in your faith? Have you planted the flag of Christ in your heart that you will not fall away? So how can we apply this truth, these three truths to our life first? I believe every day as we start the day in prayer and receiving Christ's goodness that we remember the good things God has done. Remember the good things God has done in your life. Look in the rearview mirror to make sure that you know God is with you and he is for you. And then as you move forward, that you remind yourself of whose you are. Whose you are. When you have those thoughts, when you say those words, when you have those actions, whose are you? You were bought with a price. He loves you desperately. And then finally, and I believe this is the, this is the key. Um, this makes all the difference. Resolve yourself to finishing strong. Be resolute. You know, we, we read stories about great men and women that helped establish this country. And as you read the story, the one thing that, that connects all of them is they were so resolute about their mission. They were resolute. Nothing was going to stop them. They could lose everything, lose their money, lose their family, lose their life. But they were resolute in the mission. Are you resolute? Are we resolute? Have we made Christ number one completely above all else? To apply these truths, that is what it costs. That's what's at stake. To do that first, you must be twice born. You must come to Christ as your Lord and Savior. I can remember when I was 16 years old and I was in an auditorium with lots of other students and I was trying to be cool just like everyone else was trying to be cool and the music was playing and the speaker came up and he spoke and the Holy Spirit of God spoke directly to me and he said, Mike, choose today who you're going to serve. You've been going your own way, doing it your way. And I was young. But I was, it was crystal clear to me what God was saying. Mike, choose today. Make a resolute decision. Is it me or is it you? Will you confess and believe or you reject? Maybe you're here this morning and that's what God's saying to you. And I remember he said, Mike, I want you to get on your hands and knees. I want you to turn around and I want you to pray to me. And I want you to submit to me your life. And I want you to ask me to fill you and, and to live in you. And I was scared to death. I can still remember the nerves of it. I can still remember the tension of it. And I knew what it meant. But I had something in with, inside of me that said, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. 
Hold on to your life. Hold on to your life. Hold on to your life. What will happen? What will people think? What will it turn out? How will it end for you, Mike? But I stand here in front of you right now because the Holy Spirit of God did what he says he does. He saves. And after you're saved, it really begins. He redeems. That means he begins a work in your heart and he starts taking the stuff that's, that's dark and nasty and he starts taking that away from you and he starts filling you with light and life and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and long-suffering and gentleness. And you're twice born. You're born spiritually. You're alive. You're truly alive for your purpose on this planet. Has that happened in your life? Have you been twice born? If you're twice born, let's thank Jesus for that. Let's thank Jesus for all the good things he did in 2020. Let's thank Jesus for what he's going to do in 2021. Let's not live in fear. Let's not be afraid. Let's not isolate. But let us go and share the gospel with as many as we can in the time that we have. This good news of victory, this good news of hope.